Hello, Fempreneurs. I'm Lindsay Berry, host of the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast. Welcome to an amazing episode with an amazing woman. Her name is Shannon Peston. For years, she worked for ATB and her role, well, she'll tell you a bit of the story in this interview, but her role eventually became, um, and I'm not sure if I'm getting this title right, I'm probably not, but she was in charge of making sure that female business owners had the support and funding they needed because she noticed throughout her years of working in banking that there were so few women that were starting businesses. And she felt like there was just a gap in the knowledge that they had access to and the funding they had access to. So she worked very, very hard for many years and still does today. Although now she's self-employed, she has her own business. Um, Her story is amazing. Her and I have a lot in common uh, in regards to how getting fired was a blessing in disguise and got us both pointed in the right direction. And before we jump into this episode, this interview with Shannon, she is going to be one of our keynote speakers at the Leadership and Marketing Conference, January 4th, 5th, and 6th. Now, this is a free conference for fempreneurs. You want to go and reserve your seat now at yycfempreneur.com conference. And while you're there, you can also apply to be a speaker. We are still looking for a few more female entrepreneur speakers who want to share what they know about leadership and marketing, whether it be in your niche area of expertise or whether it be about any aspect of leadership or marketing, we want you to speak at the conference. So please join us by going to yycfempreneur.com conference right now. And let's dive into the episode. Thanks for joining. Uh, I'm going to just dive right in to the questions that I have for you, because that's really how I think is the best way for you to introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah, so welcome everyone listening to this episode on the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast. Shannon, uh, Shannon's recently had some big changes, which I'm excited for her to share with you. But first, I want to go back to when you first realized helping women succeed was your calling and kind of maybe how that progressed and just, yeah, the story of how you got to where you are today. So I'll uh, send it over to you, Shannon. Thank you. That that question always feels like such a loaded one for me because, um, you know, I think over my whole life, I have always looked to support women and elevate women in the things that I did. And I've always been so fortunate in my life that I am where I am today because I had so many lift me um, and take me to levels that I, I didn't know or believe that I could achieve myself. And so, um, so I think sort of one of these things that come full circle, but where the aha moment came from was when I was in banking and I was a, a business banker for about six years in Alberta. And uh, I worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs over this time. And it just was this like a light bulb moment. And I thought, holy crap, she's the only woman entrepreneur I have in my portfolio. And that just kind of put something in my head and and I just became really obsessed with why that was. And I started even to look around at my colleagues and I, I, you know, I realized at one point in time too, I was the only female banker on our team too. And so that question just started to burn in my mind and it was, you know, where are all the women? Uh, Why don't I have any in my portfolio? And it was just really diving, diving into that. So that was a moment for me to say, okay, there's, there's something not right with this picture. And I was going to, I was totally determined just to figure out what that was. So how did you get into banking to begin with? Like, how did that journey begin? By total accident. (laughs) I often called myself an accidental banker because if I take a look back at my scholastic experience, I I mean, I 
almost flunked out of accounting. I was not strong in math. I didn't really like the numbers and I can't, I was always focused in marketing. So marketing and finance tend to, to operate at different of that, of the skill continuum. And I, and I was working at ATB actually as, as a marketing manager and when I became a banker, but probably the story starts even before that, when I was fired from my previous marketing job and this was my dream job. And you and I share something in common here because we both sort of were at the, you know, at the height of our career uh, joy and where we were. And it was sort of mm-hmm. after management change to suddenly find myself not part of the management team. Um, and it took me actually about nine months to find a job in Calgary. This was like 2010. The market wasn't great. Um, I kept going for interviews and I wasn't getting the jobs. Um, and then I was really fortunate that I went to apply at ETB Financial. And I also did not get the job that I had applied for in that, <laughs> that time either. But what was really cool is the, well, in, in my interview, the fellow that was interviewing me to let me know I didn't get the job says, look, I'm an ad guy, so I'm going to give you the headlines. The first thing is you didn't get the job. But the second thing is we're going to find a place for you. And that's how wow. the, to banking. So never saw myself in the banking industry when I first came out of school. Um, and certainly I always thought I'd be more on the agency side of things. And so, yeah, the accidental banker is sort of how that starts. And as I said, I started in marketing and it was just one day I was encouraged to become a banker. Okay. Wow. So the accidental banker. And one thing I know about you is that you were raised in a family of entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a little bit more about your upbringing? Yeah, for sure. It's so funny because Somebody asked me recently about, you know, what was the word entrepreneur? What did it mean to you when you were growing up? And I actually don't think we ever used the word entrepreneur at that point in time. Uh, We owned what we would call a small, medium-sized business. We owned um, an office furniture company. And my dad was always self-employed. And uh, the family business, we all just became part part of it. So entrepreneurship, as it is by definition today, or being a small business owner, has just always been a part of of who I am and shaped my experience to understand the business landscape, to understand what it's like to be a business owner. Um, and mm-hmm. the, I think that I needed to be able to be a good banker. Okay. Cause yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of times new business owners, especially rely on banks. And so when you started realizing that there was, was a lack of women entrepreneurs as a banker, what did you do with that information? How did you lean into that problem? I, I guess maybe this is where curiosity really played a big role in this in this picture because I stayed deeply curious about what I was seeing and I really wanted to engage in different communities. And this is where social media has been um, so helpful in my journey because I was able to connect with groups that were working in women's entrepreneurship, not just in Calgary or Alberta, but global on a global level. And mm-hmm. I um, was really fortunate that one of my mentors at ATB, I was able to bring to him my proposition for what a women's entrepreneurship strategy could look like. But before that, I actually created an alias on Twitter because I knew it was kind of a weird, like all the research that I was um, coming across talked about access to financial capital being the biggest barrier that women were facing in entrepreneurship, which was impacting women's participation rates. And so it's a really tricky space to challenge the very system that writes your paycheck. So I didn't know really how I was going to figure this one out. I just saw a market opportunity 100% for um, the company that I worked for. But more than that, I saw a need to really focus on gender equality from an entrepreneurial and economic participation standpoint. 
so I created this alias and I started having conversations that I probably wouldn't have been able to have otherwise if I would have said who I was or why I wanted to understand the landscape. So that was really, that was fun. That was an interesting process. And uh, that gave me the courage, I would say, and the, the belief that there was something to be done. What it was at that point in time, I really hadn't, I didn't figure it out. I still haven't figured it out. Okay. Um, but it gave me the courage and the conviction to present something and say that I wanted to be part of that change, whatever that was going to look like. Wow. So you created an alias Twitter account, you said? Tell us more about how that worked for you, like how that was effective. Myself, a girl's biz banker. There were a couple of truths that I wanted to be known for. I wanted to be able to show that I was here for women. Um, I also wanted to show a champion of women and I always sort of been called a girl's girl so it was sort of the I was trying to bring that piece into it and I didn't put my location I just said a girl's biz banker and I started having conversations in online communities and it was really interesting because one day somebody that works at ATB wrote me on Twitter and said are you with ATB by chance and that was that was getting outed so um, yeah, but so that was, I just created a, an alias. And I think sometimes that's the best way to ask deep questions without revealing who you are or, you know, putting a bias behind what you're, you know, or there being a bias to why you're asking those questions. Right. So cool. Okay. Next question. I mean, as we continue to draw this story out of you, so which key setbacks or course corrections did you experience that turned out to be blessings in disguise? Can you share a couple of them? Uh, and honestly, I think it goes back to what it was like to be fired from a job that I really loved. And it forced me to think about my skill set at first. And at the same time, I wasn't, it wasn't easy to find a new job at that point. I'm like, we were in an economic uh, downturn. The markets were, um, were, uh, were challenging at that point in time. And I was also young, I was about 30 years old when this happened. So trying to find an equivalent job, being 30 years old, uh, it was, I really had to prove myself. So my age, I would say at that point was working a little bit against me. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I highly recommend getting fired just once, <laughs> at least just once to understand like what that process is like, because it's a very, uh, it's a very personal journey. And it, it really forces you to think about who you are, what's important to you, where you need to grow as a human being, um, what opportunities are in front of you. And it just, I mean, it's, it's a painful process, but it's one where I believe I grew the most out of um, because it forced me to ask some really big questions about what I wanted to be in, in my career. Yeah, so I love that. I wouldn't, I truly wouldn't be where I am today. I love that. Yeah, we definitely have that in common. I, I remember when I got fired from Edward Jones, um, I, was like devastated but within 24 hours I figured out so many things I would have never figured out had I stayed there with my head in the sand and the little Edward Jones bubble you know they they don't really have you associate with other you know financial institutions because it's in their best interest <laughs> to have it that way and I was instantly like wow I could do what I was already doing without the commission targets at, in more of an educator role than a sales role. And I was like, wow, I can like have my own business. It was crazy. I was just like, I can't believe I never thought of this. <laughs> like I had to get fired to figure that stuff out and to actually be the person that I am. Right. Like, so yeah, I love how you, how you said that. I highly recommend getting fired. It's <laughs> great. I mean, it, it is a growth, it is a growth moment. And, you know, and like you see, 
opportunities that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And I think for many of us, especially who I would say are maybe intrapreneurial, who are very focused on changing systems from within, um, often you give all your talents and the things that you know to be true to organizations when you would be so far mm. off, putting that energy into yourself and seeing what is possible from it. But it's a huge leap of faith. And sometimes we need that helicopter uh, moment to take us out of a situation that we probably wouldn't take ourselves out of otherwise. Right. Right. Oh, love it. Cool. Okay. So getting fired was a big one. Was there another course correction or maybe setback, like devastating incident that you, that turned out to be a good thing, maybe felt like a failure at the time. Is there anything else? I wouldn't say that anything in particular stands out. It's just when you're trying to bring something new, you're constantly trying to iterate. You see where things are working, where things aren't working. Sometimes you have people standing behind you in the journey. Sometimes you don't. I think that there's little gifts and little learnings along the way that you, you take and you, you bring into your, your new world lens. And so I wouldn't say that there was like being fired was definitely the defining one. And that was, I said, like, a, a, you know, at the time it was a painful negative experience for me. And, but on the other side of the there are sometimes positive surprises, like being encouraged to take on a new role. And although that wasn't, you know, an upsetting thing, it was a big transformation at that point in time. And it was going to open me up to be, quite vulnerable to a skill set that I knew to my core wasn't where my strength was. Like I said, I didn't know the numbers. I was not good in accounting. I thought, oh my gosh, like I can't, how do you, how do you help, how do you help companies if you can't read a financial statement? So right. that moment where I really had to just trust that what was being put in front of me was going to lead to a brighter path. And again, had I not taken that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting and doing the work that I'm doing now and doing something that I'm completely passionate and that I'm blessed. I feel incredibly blessed every day to do this. So cool. Um, so to your point about being able to read a financial statement. So I know you're now, I mean, we'll get to this part of the story, but you're now working as a true entrepreneur. You are running your own show and you're taking on the clients you want and so what does that look like like if there's women you know listening to this episode of the podcast who are like wow i'd really like to learn from shannon or i'm searching for some sort of a mentor like what do you take them through like how much of is it how much of it i guess is financial and how much of it is building confidence and getting them out there and just marketing themselves like is it what's your process i guess well, my work is really interesting right now because uh, so I started a consulting company and I would say the biggest part of my work right now is actually still working within the ecosystem. So currently mm -hmm. Women's Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, which has really put me in more of the academic, more of the research side of this equation. So it's allowing me to be really uh, focused on what the problems are and, and problems. That's when you start to see where solutions are. So I'm working with the Knowledge Hub. I'm working on programming that is supporting the advancement of women entrepreneurs, whether that's educating the ecosystem through interesting or innovative um, program delivery, like helping the ecosystem be better at understanding financial literacy. It's also, I'm also mapping out Canada's financial landscape right now so that we can start seeing where the access to capital is, where the capital is being deployed and where some of those gaps remain. So that's some really exciting work. And then on the other side, I work directly with women entrepreneurs and I do that through a couple of different ways. I'm, I work through some of the organizations that, act, that will um, hire people like me to work directly with women entrepreneurs or women entrepreneurs can just come and work with me directly. And so I do a lot of work around business plans and helping to build that financial literacy piece for women entrepreneurs. And I truly believe that 
when women are empowered and understand the financials of their companies, they are more confident in their decisions. They have greater competency around the whole area of entrepreneurship. And running a business requires a lot of financial thought. Mm -hmm. I, it's also an area where I see a lot of women that's not their strong suit. And I recognize that because also I was in the same boat. And, but I was always surprised at the number of entrepreneurs because they're so busy in their businesses that they often will just put the financials onto their accountant or to their bookkeeper. But mm. right now, the conversation that we're trying to have is how do we help more women to feel empowered to take control of their financial situation and start using those numbers, meaningfully grow and start their companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to be having more conversations around that in the near future. Um, I love I'd love to have your eyes kind of go over everything that I've been doing and what I have planned and my ideas and see where we can work together to to just touch more lives and um, build more, I guess, organization and plan planning ahead isn't really my thing. I'm more of a like, oh, this feels like I'm supposed to go in that direction. Oh, that door just opened and it, it works out. But I think at some point when, you know, you know that you're on a trajectory, it, it, it helps to have those people with that skill set of looking ahead come into the picture and kind of look at the landscape together. So yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you more about that, Shannon. Well, and you just said something really important because you want to be able to capitalize on opportunities. But when you own a business, you can't capitalize on things if you don't know where your numbers are because you need to know what the cost is to be able to take, you know, take advantage of an opportunity. And so even, even in growth, you need to be very well aware to say, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. And can my company understand that? Can I take that kind of risk? What are, you know, what are the potential pitfalls of this? And often, you know, I'll hear women talk about, you know, I've got this great business idea. I want to bring it to market. I see the opportunity here. And I'm, let's just take an app, for example. But I'm going to build an app and I'm going to hopefully get 500 people. That's my goal. But mm -hmm. if it's only making you $5 to sign up, for example, and it costs five times that much to be able to create it, do you have a, do you have a viable business that we need to start being able to have? And also creating them and creating environments where women don't feel judged or don't feel that they're lesser than because they haven't thought of these considerations. In many cases, women are starting businesses because they're side hustles where they see an opportunity. They didn't necessarily come out of business school. Mm. And those skills, those, that mental um, thinking that was been trained in business schools, you don't always have that. So you need, mm. you need a safe place to land to have these conversations and that's what I'm really hoping that we can see change in that, in that area in particular about the whole experience of what it looks like to support women entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah. Love it. Wow. That's big. Um, yeah. I'd like to dive into more of that with my femme team girls for sure. This trimester, we just started a new trimester of the mastermind group that I lead. And so those are my femmepreneur marketing school grads who want to, you know, kind of go more high level with things. And it's something, obviously I have a finance background as well. And I'm, you know, I've written a book about money for moms and I, you know, do the investing and the savings and how to, you know, manage all of that. But I haven't really dove into that with my printers yet because I, I just wasn't sure kind of how to do it. I have this financially savvy printers course in the back of my mind, kind of like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. But I think I'll test pilot it on my fem team girls on my mastermind girls. And um, maybe Shannon, you and I can talk more about building something like that together because I would love to have your your take on it. Yeah, and I love what you just said to test it because it just really, that talks about the innovation process right there. 
And when you're able to test your ideas, get your feedback from the people that are going to be using this, whatever tool that ends up looking like for you, um, being able to be agile and be iterative is a whole, the whole part of, of innovation. So I love that you just said that you want to test it. Perfect, right? We had, it's okay to just test it. Totally, yeah. And that is something that I've been preaching a lot. It was about a year ago I went down to, uh, to Brendan Burchard's influencer conference with a friend of mine, Kelly Sinclair. She invited me down and it was really great. I mean, there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of speakers and, you know, so Rachel Hollis was one of them and she said a few things that really hit home for me. And one of the things that I realized I'd been doing over and over again and that I'm just good at because I'm not a perfectionist is throw like essentially throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so I'm, I'm, uh, and it's really hard to con convince certain fempreneurs to do that because they want, they won't even create an image on Canva for their presentation or for their workshop until they've got the workshop built. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh no, you don't build something if no one's registered for it, right? Like, you know what you can teach them. You don't have to have it planned. Like, so yeah. yeah um, yeah, so that'll be that'll be what happens with the Financially Savvy Fempreneurs course too, I'm sure. I'll build each session the night before <laughs> based on the questions that came up in the last session and things like that and with help from people like you and yeah. Well, I love it. I think it's I think that's gonna be such a turning point and such a game changer. And I, I mean I love what you're doing space and just again, just staying with the conversation and seeing where the gaps are. And this is definitely a gap that you have the opportunity to fulfill to fill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right, I want to dive a little bit into just who you are when you're not empowering women and, you know, volunteering and, you know, working with ATV and all those things. So what are your hobbies and interests? What do you do for me time? I know you're a horse lover, which is one of the coolest things about you, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> do you have your own horse? I think that's probably the coolest thing about me, too. <laughs> um, I have a I have a lease horse and uh, like I rode when I was younger and I loved jumping fences and you know as I got older and started going to university and then into my career it was just something I didn't have the time for or the or the money quite frankly still don't <laughs> but um so I, I ride I ride four days a week and um you know it's uh, I was just funny enough I was watching the news last night and they were just talking about the healing power of animals and particularly during this transition time for me being able to run out to the barn spend time with my my horse and just it's where I just feel so open-minded and my feet feel firmly planted I feel completely in the moment and it gives me this energy um, that I need to keep to keep going a lot of my work is I call it emotional labor because a lot of my work mm -hmm. is systems and you'll always have your opponents when you're just taking a stand for something and some days I find that harder than others and so when I get out to the barn, it's just a place where I can just exhale. And, you know, for some people that's yoga, for other people it's sitting in a river, you know, <laughs> I wish I know you do. Um, or for other people it's going running, but for me, it's, it's, always, it's always been about the horses. And so I'm super fortunate that I get to do that on a, on a daily basis. Cool. Yeah, I, I did the horse thing. I had my own horse for a lot of years and I, it became a stress for me. Um, it was a combination of things. I gave my horse to a friend up in Grand Prairie in 2010 when I moved here to Cochrane. And, um, and ever since then, I've been kind of trying to find my way back into the world of horses. And I, I think I might have mentioned this to you when I spoke to you for the first time, but I, I, I was drawn out to a summer camp to, as a volunteer. And it was the horses that drew me out there. I mean, I don't really get to spend much time with horses because I, 
I spend most of my time with the children. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, they really are. They really are such incredible spiritual beings that really, they, they live in the moment. And I think because they live in the moment, we absorb that when we're around them. I don't know. Would you say that's kind of how it works or? Well, totally. And I think often, you know, my horse will know how I'm feeling before I do. And there's this connection, there's this understanding between the rider and the horse, because to do what we do in terms of jumping fences, you have to be able to trust each other. And there's so much that happens. I learned so much about communication, about partnership, um, about, you know, empathy and, and trying to connect like at a, at a meaningful level. And we, and you need to do that with your horse and you're running up to a fence and you know, your horse is trusting that you're going to do all the right things as a rider. And as a rider, you're trusting that your horse is actually going to jump the fence. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, you miscommunicate and things misfire and you end up, you know, eating dirt. But there is, I do believe that there is something very healing um, and that there, you do need to be, there is this equalizer when you're around horses. Mm. You would get it. Um, yeah, I was a horse girl. I think once yeah. you your blood, it's it's just there. And actually, I grew up. Uh, my well, in addition to being a small business family, all my mom's uh, family are are farmers. And uh, out of Manitoba, I spent a lot of summers at the farm. And there was just something about that kind of work that has always just I've always just understood it. It's just part of my. It's just part of who I am. So do you compete? Like, are you jumping fences for fun and for like psychological release? Or are you, are you also doing some form of competition or something like that? You know, I was the funniest thing as I get older, the less likely I am to enjoy competing. It's so funny. Some people really love the competition. And, um, you know, I was in Kelowna a couple of years and we were at a horse show in Kelowna. And I had to take a couple of shots of tequila <laughs> to get into the ring. And I thought like, this just isn't like, I get anxiety now when I'm forced into those performance moments, or I didn't have that when I was a kid, but now I get nauseous and I get like really sweaty. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's not worth it. So my trainers all laugh at me because it's like, every time there's a show, they're saying, are you going to go into it? And I still have, you know, continue to disappoint them. I keep saying next year, next year, but I, I believe that next year I will try again. <laughs> just, okay. Like I feel you know, I, I love, I love doing this as a sport, but the minute I have to put a competitive pressure around it, I just, I don't like it. And maybe that's why I don't like true, like true sales when there's targets and stuff like that too, because it just makes me feel anxious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that was one of the, one of the things that really helped grow this community from day one was when I sort of put my stake in the sand and said, you know, we are here to support each other first and foremost we're here to do marketing and, and I get to define marketing in my marketing school <laughs> and my definition of marketing is relationships and real meaningful conversations and if you do that right people buy from you so you don't need to sell first right like you never need to sell if you're good at marketing like that's just like what we always talk about right yeah your organizations with that message too but at the end of the day they're still sales you know, target driven. And I just, it's never been my style. I, I always felt that if you're really passionate and you're really solving a customer you believe in, it's not sales. But the minute we start focusing on targets and measuring those targets and putting the stress on people to deliver those targets, and I get it, it's a business, you know, and sales driven organizations, you're reliant on sales. It just doesn't fit for me um, with my personality, that kind of environment just doesn't suit where I will be 
operating at my uh, my optimal performance. Mm -hmm. Right. I tend to look back and be like, holy shit, I made twice as much money last month than I did the month before. Like, it's not like it just happens, right? And then you're like, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, like as a business owner now I understand the importance of revenue you know at, at a more intimate at a more intimate level because you know if I'm not out there selling in quotations my services I'm not going to hit my revenue and there's no way that I'll be able to keep a roof over my head but it's it's doing what I love to do it doesn't feel like sales versus trying to insert myself in a company that um, is so sales focused I just I just I just can't I don't thrive yeah yeah and thankfully, the company that I worked at that was doing that to me fired me, and saved me from more of that pain. <laughs> hey, funny, but I'm a, I'm such a relationship oriented individual. And I believe that it's so true that people buy from people they like and when they have a comfort with you and think where, you know, I, so sometimes I think I'm a longer sales cycle because I really that that relationship and cultivating that is is so important to me. And and I think that that's. Also, though, what, what makes people like you and I stand as entrepreneurs is because we are putting everything about us into that business and into the people we serve. Totally. Yeah, and, and when you meet someone else who's, like, on the same page, it's just, like, instantly, like, oh, my gosh, such a, it's just so great to have more people like that on your team, right? So and I'm excited to be able to be sharing you right now with so many more women who think like that and, and need more women like you in their life. So this is awesome. Well, um, I think uh, here's a question for you. Like, do you think that this is a, is it a female energy thing? Like, do you see, I mean, you work with a lot of women as well. And I often find the women entrepreneurs that I work with have the same, the same mentality. It just feels a lot more intuitive. Like it just, it comes more easily to be that relationship focused and, you know, thinking about not just the customer in front of you, but her whole life. Like it, it's this, this bigger picture than just the person. But I often wonder, do you think that's a woman's? You know, it's, it's so funny. We, we don't really talk about the male versus female thing in the fempreneur community. Like, I mean, it's just, it's obvious that it's a, it's a women's community and nothing else really needs to be said regarding gender. So, you know, when I get questions like that, I'm not, I just don't really know how to answer because I wouldn't consider myself to be a girl's girl. <laughs> I know you said that people would say that about you. That wasn't really my thing for a lot of years. Um, not that I had guy friends. I didn't just have guy friends. Like I, I definitely had good girlfriends, but I also was a hairdresser for a lot of years. And that can be a very toxic environment, like a group of women working together who are competitive and who are literally competing for the walk-ins that come in. And all it was just, it was, yeah. And then, you know, high school drama with the girls and, yeah, and so I was very hesitant to start anything like what is going on now with the YYC Fempreneurs. Yeah, I think girls can definitely be meaner. And that's, that's something that we yeah. really... So I am honestly blown away with what I, what I have seen to be true from groups of women. So, so to your point, um, I've seen both sides of it. And I don't think it's always this way, like sunshine and roses and supportive women. But I'm happy to say that that is what's going on in the YYC Fempreneurs entrepreneur community and I think it really comes down to that mission vision and values which is where we start with the marketing school you know every fab five you know networking speed dating event that we have we, I, you know I started out with with reading out those values and um and 
because it, it's attracted so many women who I think just needed that in their life. Like it takes just like one time of a new woman to come into the group to just see like, this is just, this is just how it is here. And I have had some come in that I got a bit of a sense that they weren't really there necessarily for the right reasons or that they're just so naturally competitive that this whole thing to them was just like too fluffy <laughs> and they just be so, you know, it hasn't happened often, but it does. Yeah, for sure it does. Yeah. 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 Can't be all things to all people. You find your, you find your niche, you find your, your people and right. magic of, I think groups like, what you've done because you created a very safe, inclusive space for the people that want to participate in that, in that space. Yeah. Thank you. I, I feel like it's, it's definitely blossoming and it's so, it's so fun. <laughs> um, but back to you, um, we're going to wrap up here pretty quick. So what's the best advice you have for fempreneurs who are either in startup phase or who are pivoting right now due to the new normal that we're living in with, needing to be more technology-based, et cetera? I think it just goes back to being really curious and being so passionate and committed to the problem that you're trying to solve mm. and knowing that there's a for it. And at the end of the day, we don't exist if we don't have customers. We don't exist if people aren't going to buy our products or services. And, and particularly in this pandemic, we have had to see massive pivots because what, what was working in the old world wasn't going to work in the new world. So people that had to suddenly go from a retail to an e-commerce platform and it really changed in that regard. But it was people who listened to their customers and listened to the changing needs of their customers were the ones that were able to succeed. And I do believe that when you're curious and you're committed and you're asking those critical questions, like what is happening around me? How are my customers' lives changing because of this pandemic? How are their needs changing? How is the world around us changing? And where do I fit in that picture? Because what, what works today is not going to work tomorrow for any industry. Disruption is all around us. And we constantly have to be able to be um, able to disrupt our own, our own thinking about our company. So my, my advice would be to not be scared to be disruptive, to, in fact, you know, go into those uncomfortable places where we still have to learn every day what's going to make us um, relevant and sustainable for, for the long term. Awesome. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to leave ladies with? Uh, final message, final words? Well, today is, I know the podcast is going to be airing later, but today is Women's Entrepreneurship Day, and it's celebrated around the world. And to the many women who have taken the leap before me and those who will take the leap after me, I just, I say congratulations and to never underestimate um, what you can accomplish. So just keep dreaming, keep setting your, your sights high and don't put limitations on yourself. Before you take off, Fempreneurs, I wanted to let you know that today's episode was brought to you by the Find Your Voice book. Now, this book is called Find Your Voice on Social Media. It's a book that I wrote back in February of 2020, and it outlines the six fundamental marketing strategies that are the core of Fempreneur Marketing School. So whether you've taken Fempreneur Marketing School in the past, um, maybe you're one of our over 120 graduates, or maybe you're someone who hasn't actually taken Fempreneur Marketing School yet, and you're curious to know what it's all about. This book is going to help you with your marketing. It's going to help you become a stronger leader. It's going to share with you my story um, because I wrote it <laughs> and it's going to share with how I overcame the challenges of being afraid of, of having a group of female entrepreneurs around me because of 
you know, the stuff that we all go through as teenage girls with friend problems and then some of us working in, you know, all female environments. I was a hairdresser for a lot of years. I had some scars and some challenges uh, in the past that actually stopped me from, got in the way of me starting this community of female entrepreneurs for a long time. And I'm so glad I finally took a leap of faith and started Fempreneur Marketing School and started surrounding myself with hundreds of female entrepreneurs. It has been life-changing. I want this experience for you as well. So check out the book. It's on Amazon. It's at yycfempreneurs.com. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great read for you and it's going to connect you with a ton of awesome ladies. Um, I've got seven other women that contributed to the book and their, um, their social media handles and websites are all in the book as well. Um, parts of their story are there. It's a really awesome gold nugget of education and inspiration and I hope you check it out.